why building a geodesic dome might be the best structure to start your glamping business. How to buy and where to buy the best geodesic domes currently available on the market right now. How to choose if you should start a more luxurious or a more rustic glamping business. Setting up a wedding venue on your glamp site. Worries that you get right before launching your new glamping business. Dealing with unruly neighbors that you do not see eye to eye with. Wasting money early on with stupid mistakes. And most importantly, exactly how to reach out to the town and local authorities to get your glamping business permitted so it's fully legal. Those are the things you're going to learn in today's special episode of the Keep It Tiny podcast. In today's episode, I have the owner of the first and only geodesic dome in Houston, Texas. He's going to be chatting with us, telling us all the info that he's learned so far about the ins and outs of domes, but he's also going to be telling us exactly how he picked which township to run and start his glamping business in. He made some really smart decisions along the way. He reached out to local authorities and townships perfectly. He steered away from local towns that he knew would be more difficult for him to get the proper permitting in place. And most importantly, he's going to teach us exactly how he did that. So that way you can learn how to do it and start your own glamping business if that's something that you're interested in. My name is Jay Esperance, and this is the Keep It Tiny podcast. As always, I just have one special request. Please help the channel out by liking the video, leaving a comment, and let me know if you want to see more of these type of interviews. By liking the video and leaving comments, it makes it very easy for me to persuade these industry experts to come on the channel and give us their info. With that being said, let's get into today's show. Why a dome? Like, so you're a DJ who's launched a glamp site. And you just finished building a dome, but why did you pick that structure out of because there's so many different glamping structures that one could choose? Yeah, um, so it, that, that was definitely overwhelming when I was really starting to dive in. I've been researching this project for a couple of years now, and when I finally landed on a dome, a few of the things that became, you know, I thought it was unique enough that it stood out a lot in pictures. That was one thing that I, you know I have a marketing background as well too, so. I knew that, you know, the better, the more eye-catching the product is for something like this, the better mm-hmm. it's going to be off top. So I, after I started going through and I figured out, first I started with, do I want to do off-grid or on-grid, which was mm-hmm. kind of dictating where I was going to go either way. I pretty quickly decided that off-grid wasn't for me personally, because I didn't want to deal with a compost toilet and some other things like that. So mm-hmm. I knew it was going to be a little more, but I knew what I wanted to, I, I, I figured out my plan for where I was trying to go in, in with the site. And I knew utilities was going to have to be included. So I just started going that way. I went between, a, you know, a yurt. I went bet- between the you know, shipping containers. There actually is even, you know, I'm, I'm really in a kind of rural, rural, that's always a tough word to say, area of uh, Houston. And there's not many mm-hmm. good contractors out here, but there's actually a company not far from here that builds a lot of shipping containers for Texas. Um, that's about oh, wow. 15, 20 minutes. So I went okay. and saw his and almost went that route. But I, I saw a lot of shipping containers. There was way more competition for shipping containers about 30, 45 minutes away from me. Um, there's no domes in my area. I, I'm actually the first geodesic dome in Houston in this, you know, the third largest city in America. Um, so I, I knew that that was one thing that I really wanted to do. And there's also a yurt that's about 30 minutes away. The other thing that okay. I knew was going to be easy with is uh, after research, I, I landed on Pacific Domes is who I used uh, for my dome. And they had a really good plan to get uh, architectural plans stamped mm-hmm. by, you know, a licensed architect. And that helped me get my permit uh, 
like tremendously, even, even the County engineer, um, who I've, I've kind of built a friendship with working on my site. He even mentioned, he was like, yeah, that, that, you know, the plans I sent in were like above and beyond what they normally get in this area. So it made it, it made it really simple and peace of mind how they, you know, cause they didn't know what the structure was, but, uh, you know, having, having that professionalism with all these plans stamped out and, and all this to show is, was really easy to get it going forward. Cool. And then, um, how easy, cause I know that, uh, Pacific domes and a lot of these companies, uh, and even the, the A-frame that I built, um, the marketing materials made it look like I was going to like crack beers and laugh with my friends the whole time. <laughs> Uh, yeah. When in reality, it was like much more difficult. So can you let me know uh, how difficult it was for you guys to build? I know there's that awesome video on your channel that I saw. Um, but how difficult was it for um, you to build? And was it as difficult as you expected? Was it more difficult, less difficult? Because you built it yourself. Sure, sure. Yeah, no, I, I did see your videos and, and was uh, felt, felt your struggles. So mm-hmm. um, I will give Pacific Domes this. They have an extremely well-made product. And they've been doing it for a long time. So they've, they've, they've figured out a lot of nuances that, that go with it. So building was, they, they say it would be one day with three to four people. Um, it took us two days with three to four people. And there was, there was a lot of tricks we learned after that first one. If I, if I built a second dome right now, me and my mm-hmm. friends like joke about this all the time. Like if we built a second dome right now, we would crush it because we learned so much that first time and yeah. Pacific domes was re- their customer service was great too. Um, I will give them that because anytime I called or questions, they were giving me some tips and tricks. I had a really hard, really, really, really hard time getting the bay window up. The getting the cover over the structure was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. Yeah. And then uh, putting the bay window on after because of how just impermeable, you know, like how much it doesn't mm-hmm. move ever depending on the temperature. That was extremely tough, but they had some really good tips. They were they had me use a a, a blow dryer on it because heat kind of expands it some. So I was able to finally zip it in, and um, it was it was hard. But for you know what it is, it's pretty amazing that me and three of my you know knucklehead friends could build it because mm-hmm. we're we're a little bit handy, but by far not you know not anything at you know that that we built a lot of houses or anything like that. So um, it was definitely a little harder than I expected. My contractors that I've used built, did a lot of the, the plumbing and, and, you know, all the, the licensing components that we really needed, but they didn't even want to touch the dome because of, you know, insurance and liability reasons, which I understood, mm-hmm. which I understood. Um, so yeah, it was definitely a little harder than I expected, but for what it is and, you know, for the ROI that it could bring me in, uh, you know, I, I'm pretty impressed with how it's put together and, and how it comes together when you actually do it. So you need, you need, you need some people with some energy, but I feel like there's a lot of people out there that can make it happen. Okay. And then to play devil's advocate, are you nervous about having a dome? Um, just because there's certain things like uh, mold, wind, puncturing, things like that. that you know, Because I think every building has its own pros and its own cons. Um, you know, like I, I have my share of opinions on A-frames and uh, 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 all different types of tiny homes. So can you let me know about those downsides and, and you know, kind of are you worried about that? Um, yeah, so, um, definitely I'm not necessarily worried cause there's a lot of things I could be worried about, but I've actually, one thing I've done that really has helped me a lot is I've actually reached out to a couple different people that I've seen build very similar structures or use specific domes. A couple mm-hmm. of them, I even paid, paid for consultations and asked them a lot of questions that I knew only people that have built domes would be able to answer. Like 
nuances about i had a, a little issue with um some bugs like uh they call them asian lady beetles or something like that that were getting in okay. and somebody helped me solve that i had another person that told me his his best tips for how he cleans the domes and how often mm-hmm. he does it and pacific domes provided a lot of that as well um the, the thing it's built like a tank wind or anything like okay. that we're not in i'm i'm not in a super high wind area the the weather over here is actually pretty even honestly heat is the main thing i have to deal with because it just gets hot in the summer and then uh dealing with the, the moisture from the humidity which would come a lot with just just cleaning it pretty easily with you know simple soap and water solutions and like car car wash brushes um puncturing i'm i would be a little worried about the windows uh the window just from some people uh messing with it but my place i'm having no no pets and um it's really going to be kind of sp- more specific to couples um you know that's only going to have one queen bed and it's 426 square feet um mm-hmm. and we kind of made it more luxurious like that cuz we're not really marketing to families or anything if, uh that you know we're kind of more marketing to only people three is the most we're going to be able to allow in it so there will be possibilities of being able to have um you know some chances that it could get messed up but this is one of the things I'm willing to take. I, I I'm going to have some different uh, insurance coverages on them that will kind of help with that. And it's a risk I was just kind of willing to take for the, you know, the it's a risk first reward thing that I was willing to sacrifice. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a risk first reward with every type of structure. You know what I mean? Um, so I, I definitely get that. Taking a step back though, and going from to the to the top of what you're thinking about doing you're starting a glamping business. Like that's no easy endeavor. Um, and you have a uh, hospitality experience or, or degree. So, so it's not like you're starting from zero, but um, this is definitely a new thing. So can you let me know kind of what was step one for you? And like, what advice would you have for people that are looking to start a glamping business? So yes, absolutely. Um, my, my biggest advice is figure out your end goal with whatever you're going to do with that property, because whoever you're dealing with in your county is most likely going to want to know that going into it. I may have, um, I may have not, it's not that I hid anything. It's just, I didn't probably tell the county fully where I was going with it. And as of recent in the past month or two, uh, cause I eventually want to put a wedding venue on this site too, as well. And so they, they kind of asked me, I sat down with the county commissioner and he said like, what is your end goal fully with this? And by then I already knew it and I had been researching it and figuring out for a long time that I knew I was going to need a, a, a couple, you know, I knew I wanted three sites. I knew I needed mm-hmm. a certain amount of acreage that was going to probably kind of work from it. Um, I just kept, I kept looking at properties before I really jumped the gun on anything to figure out, you know, getting in my mind, like, Hey, am I going to end up wanting, you know, 10 camping sites? Do I want, you know, two more isolated sites that are, you know, I, that I can raise the rent on, you know, raise the date nightly mm-hmm. rent on them because they're more isolated. It may not cash flow as much as, you know, cramming seven on one site, but your county may not, may not even let you do that. And also, you know, there's a, you have more uh, traffic coming through in and out of it. And there's more risk that way. You know, you, you deal with less guests, especially if you're a small operation, if you're not trying to build some big, you know, big massive team operation, it may be, you, you may not want to bite into eight or nine sites on, you know, a few acres like that, because it, that could get pretty overwhelming very quickly. There's a lot of customer service that goes on with this process that people mm-hmm. aren't going to realize too. Um, so I think the main thing is know your end goal as much as you can. Don't, you know, don't try to say, oh, I'll just put one on and kind of see it and build it up from there. No, figure out like, okay, I'd rather have 
you know, uh, a small event center and three small sites. And then you can start to really envision it. Even if you don't have that budget to get there um, anytime soon, you need to know that end goal. That way you can work backwards and your county will be a lot, you know, be able to work with you much easier if you're able to kind of explain what are, you know, what are the phases that you're looking to do with it? Because they're going to start getting involved. The bigger you get your site, the more involved mm-hmm. they're going to get. There's, there's no way around it. If you have one small site, you can probably kind of skirt around it and they'll, they'll probably work with you and make it happen. But the second you start hitting second, third, all these like that, there's going to be ADA compliance issues you're going to run into. That's one thing I'm dealing with right now, because one of you know these structures, a lot of them are not ADA compliant. And mm-hmm. technically, every new construction is supposed to be ADA compliant if it's considered commercial. So there's there's a lot of nuances that people don't really expect. And they run into them because I even ran into them. Uh, slightly myself, I didn't ever expected the ADA compliance thing to even come up because my my brain just never even thought that that would be you know thought to go in yeah. that direction. I, and I never, you don't know what you don't know, and so mm-hmm. it's something that can be remedied through a few different you know means and stuff too. But there's there's a lot of things that you can look into in your county. I, if I would have looked more into it with my county early on, they would have probably gave me a heads up, and I might have switched on how I did some different things. So, um, but overall, like I still. I, have the exact route that I'm looking for. I'm just having to change change a couple of things and maybe you know the timeline of different things just to do some different compliance issues with commercial structures. But it's going to enhance the value of the property so much that I'm I'm all for it. So um, yeah. Uh, I'm, and talking about the property, what property are you on? Um, did you purchase this property just to set up this clamp site? And how many acres is it? And talk to me about that process of buying land and setting things up from like a raw land or maybe a semi-raw land perspective? Sure. Um, so I'm, I'm actually, I've been a real estate agent for about six years in, in Houston. I don't use it too much. Like I, you know, I, I do a lot of it in my own investing. I've, I had a few condos before an Airbnb, flipped some houses, things like that. But when I finally, the market slowed down a lot in Houston, a lot of corporate money started coming into the condos. So all my condos pretty much were barely breaking even. It was one of those things like, all right, I, I need to figure out Where's my next pivot to? So I I listen to Bigger Pockets pretty much religiously. It's one of my favorite podcasts ever, and uh, they always preach, you know, about fi- and uh, preach about getting owner occupied loans at the five percent down. And that's kind of how I got my first place. Rolled a lot of different things in it. You're, you're technically only have to live in it for one year and mm-hmm. reside in it before you can make income off of it. Um, I still live in the property. I have a, a house at the front of the property. I have ten acres. I bought it. Okay. With a, low down payment option through a conventional loan. Um, and I lived in it for a year, kind of was starting to, you know, I knew what I was going to do with it. I was still, I was traveling, DJing and things like that. So I was kind of getting some things in line and slowly building up the site. But I knew once I hit that year mark, I was going to be able to start getting things rented out. I could rent out the house if I wanted to. And that's when I really started to take the process even forward. And I was slowly, you know, I had to get permits for my electric uh, that only came once the house is built. You have to get permits for your septic that usually come after the house is built. But I did, mm-hmm. I was able to get a well put in pretty quickly. You can get those, you know, I got mine. It was quoted at $15,000 and I was able to get it for 12,000 luckily with a permit put out in the middle of the property that's going to feed a couple of my other ones. And mm-hmm. then I was also able to start the road work. A lot of the, you know, those are, and tree work, and other things like that. Those are expenses that people aren't going to think about, especially getting power lines. You know, I had the yeah. power company is, is really cool out here. The guy, um, he came out a couple of times. And he was kind of giving me some insight on what trees I need to cut and how the overhang needs, I mean, the overhead needs to be. 
And so mm-hmm. I started that work, started the road work, started the well, um, all those things like that, that I knew were going to be a lot of cash up front. A lot of those are cash businesses are only are, you know, like you can't put them on low interest credit cards and things like yeah. that. So I, I, I kind of started that route for the first year and I was working my job, still building up my income. And uh, at the same time, getting all those things out the way, because I, I, I knew that the, they were going to be expensive, but road work is way more expensive than people expect. I, yeah. And then the, also the other thing is I started the road work really early and I'm glad I did. But a whole bunch, you know, rain has came a lot this year and it showed me spots that are vulnerable to the washouts. My, you know, my dirt guy, he can kind of tell from looking at the lay of the land. But there's I just had to do some more dirt work and put a culvert in because over time I've seen where the erosion is happening on my road. And that's one Mm -hmm. thing I didn't. I visited a lot of geo sites and glamping sites and the ones that have the terrible roads are are really tough to deal with. And I, mm-hmm. I didn't want my site to be like that where you have to rent a truck to just go out there. Like there was a few I had to do that. And mm-hmm. that, that's tough because you, you're cutting off a lot of your market. You're, you're already making it more expensive for them, making them add another step to come out to your area when there's tons of places to pick, you know, mm-hmm. you, you're, you're working against a lot of elements. If you keep adding on things that, you know, it's already hard getting people into your door. If you don't know a lot of these nuances of marketing, and if, if you're cutting yourself off just because people need to rent a Jeep or something, then that, that was one thing I didn't want to have to deal with. So, Yeah. So it seems like this was a large cash endeavor. And I always tell people there's a couple of different ways to do glamping businesses. I mean, you can have that like full on luxury, the semi luxury. Um, and then, you know, there is a space for just a tent out in the woods like that, that exists. And, and, you know, there's people on various different ends of the spectrum to come and stay at these different places. But it seems like you're positioning yourself as one of the higher end type of stays. Um, why did you choose that? And how much have you allotted towards setting this up? Because the I always tell people when you go higher end, you spend higher end. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, like I said, I weighed a lot of options between off grid, on grid. Um, even in the end, you know, there's a lot, I've, I've stated a lot of off grid sites. I, you know, I did a lot of research before I, I went into this because I wanted to see what I like and what I didn't. And if you have the time, energy, stomach and all that for compost toilets and all that, they've came a long way. I'll give them that. It wasn't necessarily for me after my research. Um, so I knew I was like, OK, I have to get somebody to manage it or something mm-hmm. like that, because it's just not going to be something I want to deal with. So you're already upping the cost a lot more. Um, and, uh, y- you know. I knew I didn't want a lot of sites. And so I, I really wanted to get as much of a premium as I could. And I did have, I did have some cash to dispose up front. That was a thing too mm-hmm. that made it a little easier. I could have set up, a, you know, went a little smaller and set up a couple of different sites, but I, I wanted to, I wanted to give as high end of a luxury feel as, as I wanted because I knew my final goal was going to be a wedding venue, that this could mm-hmm. be possibly something that, you know, there, there's only going to be a couple of sites. So we're, we're thinking luxury throughout the whole thing, you know, um, we didn't want a whole bunch of sites. And so I knew that putting the more money up front would allow the infrastructure to go not only tie into this site, but I can tie it into my next site a lot easier, tie it into the wedding venue a lot easier that that I'm building on this property. Because every time you do off grid is expensive, too. A lot of people yeah. think that it's 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 definitely cheaper than on grid. But there's a lot of components to it between solar, how you're going to get the water up there. You have to get water delivery if you don't get a t- like a well, uh, you know, different things like that that, that go into play with it. So I, I started weighing just the opportunity cost versus what I knew the ROI could be. Um, mm-hmm. And I knew I would just be able to get so much more of a, you know, I, I had the vision for it and knew that because I had the cash up front, there are some things that I was able to finance. Like, luckily, I found a flooring company that 
allows a flooring tile company that did all my work that finally mm-hmm. financed it for 10 years um, for a very low interest, like different. I did a lot of research to find out where I could finance some things that I knew within, you know, that were still in the budget. I wasn't over leveraging myself, but at the same time, whatever cash I could keep back is, you know, is still going to be extremely valuable and building it up. And I'll also be able to just have the one site that I focus on at first because I've done condos and done all that stuff too. But this is still a little new to me, even with a hospitality degree. I want to make sure that everything goes absolutely perfect as much as I, you know, much as you can in a, you know, in a short-term rental business that yeah. there, you know, everybody is just super satisfied that I'm not having, you know, five or six sites that I'm trying to figure out on and who needs this and getting my cleaner to this one. Cause it's hard to find good cleaners out here too. I've, yeah. I've, I've interviewed quite a few when you're out in this far in the country of things. I've interviewed a few and had one that, that is a, like my official one, but she would be very hard pressed to try to clean six different sites in one time and do all that. Yeah. Like just having the couple of sites that I'm going to have is going to keep her busy and maybe bring on an extra one to the point where I'm able to possibly, you know, bring them on as employees or something like that. So. Okay. Okay. And, um, when you, you, you haven't launched just yet, right? Yeah. M- March 1st we are. Yep. Okay. And uh, what do you think, uh, like, what are you nervous about when it comes to launch? And what are you the most like, you know what, this aspect of it, we got this. Um, I would just say, uh, I think, you know, just the logistics of everything and, and just dealing with, you know, cause it's, it's, it's really new to me too. Like I'm going to, I hope to like, you know, stay in it for about a, a week or two, you know, just to get all any kinks and figure out what mm-hmm. nuances there are to it. You know, everybody, every, like I said, I've, I've been a real estate agent. I know even new builds have tons of things that are, you know, on the inspection report when they come from some of the mm-hmm. best home builders out there. So uh, I'm a little nervous, I'd say, about just making sure the house is completely functioning and people understand, you know, this like how some of the elements are. But at the same time, I'm mitigating a lot of that risk because I do live on site and will be for a lot of, you know, for the first few months at least. And, you know, depending on how the project goes. And then the thing that I'm very confident in is just uh, my area and then just the aesthetic and, and how we made the dome look marketing wise. It's going to be um, it's going to be probably one of the easiest things I've ever had to market just with mm-hmm. my ideas that I know my marketing background, just because I said the product is so good. I, I know mm-hmm. that we nailed it on. We're the first dome out here. I know we're in a huge market by, and, and we're between a national forest and one of the biggest lakes in Texas. I, I nailed all the logistics of that, of like getting people into it is going to be, you know, is, is going to be, I don't want to say relatively easy because none of that's easy, but it's one thing that I'm confident in, but then making sure that everything works as, as my vision does. And, you know, guests are kind of understanding how things work because I'm a little worried about, you know, the cooling during the summer because it gets so hot in Houston. I have a, a mm-hmm. mini, a two ton mini split in there and I have a really good H, a, you know, AC guy, but, and then I'm a little nervous that it's going to be so hot in there. And because mm-hmm. I didn't get the, I didn't get the liner for the dome on the inside. Cause the thing, the liner is $20,000. It's, it's more than the dome. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's something I might, but it's, you know, there's, it's just, there's nuances like that, that I've never lived in a dome and never mm-hmm. had multiple people stay in there for short-term rentals. And so mm-hmm. I, I'm just, I'm just hoping that it is, uh, is relaxing and as easy going as, as I, as I want it to be. Yeah. So, so during the prep, um, is there anything now with the knowledge that you know, like if you were going back to restart it all, like what would you tell yourself? Like, would like, hey, hey, bro, you you didn't you didn't think about this, or like this is going to be a bigger problem than you thought it would be. 
Yeah. Um, so I wish, so uh, there's probably like three or four I'd, I'd rattle off. Um, mm-hmm. even so, and I don't know if there's, if it hurt at all. My neighbor's not far away from here. You can't see them at all, but they, they have more dogs than I expected. So there's okay. definitely some barking here and there. Um, uh-huh. so you need to, and, and we got tricked. I was on the property multiple times. I never heard one dog bark. It seemed like mm-hmm. second I moved in, they yeah. kept spawning up and up. And I love dogs too. That, yeah, that's, that, that's the issue. So I love dogs, but there's some dog barking here and there. And I've talked to my neighbor. Um, we don't see eye to eye on the issue. And it, you know, it, it's one of those things that, that I wish I would have done a little more due diligence on, on the neighbor situation. It's probably my only yep. thing I regret about where I bought, how I bought, when I bought all those things. Um, but it's still, it's something workable. I have plenty of solutions and there's plenty of things mm-hmm. that I could do with that. I wish I would have worked with the County a little more early on, like fully. Um, like, especially I'm working with the County commissioner now. I wish I would have tried to, you know, it, it, it's, it's just the process. I wish I would have tried to have been a little more apparent of that. And then, mm-hmm. uh, I wish I wouldn't have, I wish I wouldn't have bought some of the things I bought so quickly uh, and, yep. or made this. And I saw your video too, a couple of days ago. And uh, you know, I think that was yeah. one of the things you said in there. And I was laughing because I was like, that's just, I, I bought some things because when we designed the dome, there was a few things we added on with Pacific domes, like an air chair, a couple other things. Like even we bought some of the thermoshield paint and some other things. Well, in the end, we're probably not, we didn't, not going to use any of that. So there's a few thousand mm-hmm. wasted there um, between adding taxes and shipping and all that. We bought, I was, I was just so anxious to get started and stuff. I yeah. had my 0% interest business credit card, all this. And I started <laughs> racking up Amazon. And then yeah. we ended up deciding to do, because I was in the Airbnb contest and I got to the top 200 and ended up uh-huh. uh, losing them there. But I, I came up with my design within that contest and we're, we're doing like a space NASA theme. Um, mm-hmm. And when we bought all the stuff at the beginning, it was more like glamping, like just other little little stuff that we, we didn't think about. But now we have a whole different theme. And I, mm-hmm. you know, I, I racked up some stuff and I'm like, well, now I got glamping pillows and other stuff that I don't necessarily need. I was just so happy and yep. anxious to get started and yeah. like, oh, Amazon, you know, r- roll it out, Amazon, let's make it happen. So yeah, uh, those, those are probably my three things that I would say is don't buy any, you know, the neighbor situation, definitely do more research into that. Though. You need to visit the site as often as you, you know, especially if it's on the market and you got a cool realtor or however you're doing it. Um, try to visit the site at night, try to visit the site on the weekend, try to visit the site during the day. This is, that is something that is, that could really, really hinder your thing between neighbors anyway, smells, sounds, all that thing. Site, I had to put up a fence too, to cover up some of his, his junk cars that he left out, but that, okay, it, yeah. that, best 5,000 I've ever spent on a fence in my <laughs> life. It, ma- it made it look so much better when I did it. Um, but it's just an expense I wasn't really thinking about because I didn't mm-hmm. see those cars deep in this pocket. And then my business partner saw them. And she, you know, she absolutely was like, absolutely not. Like we've got to cover those. And then yeah. you know, this is one of those things that that the neighbors working with your county as much as you can, and then don't overbuy so quickly, get this essential thing yeah. you need, but all that other stuff you can wait. I promise. I know you're anxious, but it can wait. I definitely get, you'll save money and you'll thank me. Yeah. Yeah. A ton of things I bought early on went to waste. I had no place to store them because I bought my land just super raw. Um, I, I bought one of those cheap, um, those cheap like Harbor Freight, like pop-up tent style sheds. And the wind just absolutely disrespected it as fat. Like it was like, hey, get this little thing out of here. And it just like a whole bunch of things went to waste. It, it was wild. That's funny because I just bought I just bought one of those and I was wondering uh, how it's actually gonna look. Good uh, luck. Yeah, that, yeah. Like you think it, you might have answered my question. So I might have to <laughs> shell out a little more for a Home Depot shed or something. 
Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. I would I would recommend the uh, the steel sheds, the steel sheds. Um, but you know, you might have a, 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 a it might be a little different for you than for me. But another thing that I think you brought up that I wanted to go back on was how did you start communicating with the city? And how would you do it now? And what would you recommend? Because I think that's something that is scaring a lot of people. A lot of people are so frightened by it that they don't even try. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so that's a long process in itself, how I even got to the county I'm in and the city I'm in. It wasn't by chance um, that I ended up here. <clears throat> so it goes back to me being a realtor, luckily. So if you don't have a, if you're not a realtor and you don't have a good realtor, I definitely suggest getting one. They're going to be free to you most likely on the buying side. Um, they can be tremendous help and just be honest with them up front. Realtors get a bad rap, but a lot of them are really good and they have a lot of information, especially in Texas, which is a non-disclosure state. We have a lot of information that you do not have. And I, I promise okay. that we can become worth it. Um, so with mm -hmm. that information that I'm able to get, I have access to all these records, all types of things. I knew that I, I found an unrestricted area. That was one thing that had no HOA. You, you, and if you see an HOA, you should run as fast as possible because it's 99.9% .9 not going to happen. Um, mm -hmm. unless they have like a no deed restriction HOA, which there are a couple of them out there that you can have horses. And, um, if you, if usually if you see cattle and things like, like this actually was cattle land that I bought the guy, he, he sub, okay. sub parceled off some, if you see cattle or something like that, there's a good chance that it's unrestricted. Um, because those activities just aren't allowed in residential things. So figuring out that area is, is figure out what part of the, you know, where you're trying to do set up your site and then figuring out what are the unrestricted areas. You're also going to, there's probably a couple counties within, you know, the ones you're looking at. And this was a little more difficult because if I would have bought in a county over, I would have been, I probably not would have never been able to build this because they're way more stringent. It's still a pretty rural county, but I figured this out from, I, I would reach out to some of the permitting department. I would go online, mm -hmm. type the county in, you know, I'm in San Jacinto County. I type in San Jacinto County permitting. It's most of these smaller counties like this. They have a pretty basic site. There's usually only three or four people that work in the department. Reach out. You know, there'll probably be an email. Just send a simple email and tell them what you're trying to do and see their reaction. Because a lot of times they're not going to understand it. But at yeah. least try to say, hey, you know, enter, you know, be professional. My name's such and such. Uh, you know, I'm trying to build this. I'm I'm, I'm thinking about starting a, a, a glamping site. But you don't even have to use the word glamping. You could say luxury camping site depending on what your end goal is that's when you would you would be up front with them there i'm trying to build a luxury yeah. camping site with a wedding venue on it or something like that i'd love to bring this to your area you know your beautiful area to you know bring in uh tons of you know make them feel good about like i'm bringing in tons of tourists and and you don't have to say tax dollars verbatim but you know mm -hmm. remind them like hey i'm gonna employ local people things like that this is what I'm trying to do. I can get architecture plans or if that's what you want to say, or, you know, depending on what route, if you're trying to just do tents and you got to be upfront with it, you know, that's the only mm -hmm. way you'll get the answer you're looking for um, is tell them what you're doing. So I would, I would say, Hey, I'm trying to build a geodesic dome. Uh, I have plans, all that. The, the head of the permitting department emailed me back. He said, you know, that's fine. We'll take a look at it. It was pretty simple, but it wasn't anything I, I could tell from his reaction that I was like, okay, this is, there's a chance that this could happen. I, I started mm -hmm. calling some local local contractors as well and re, and asking them saying hey like home builders and saying hey who who what county is easiest to get things permitted in and I talked gotcha. to quite a few different contractors and most of them would or you know people that did wells or would talk to people that are in the area and just tell them what you're trying to do and say hey like how is how hard is it to get a permit and I heard from multiple ones they were like oh 
you know, this county, it's a lot easier to get a permit in just because there's different regulations is how, you know, myriad different reasons I really want to get into. It's easier to get mm-hmm. a permit in this area, you know, mm-hmm. that, and I, that's from a lot of research, talking with people and getting the realization from that. And also seeing if there's any unique structures in those counties already. There was a yurt not far from here. I don't know if it's permitted or not. I have no clue. Does well on Airbnb. Um, Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I see that that structure is on there. And so I at least know that that, because in my area, there's not too many unique structures like that. There's a there's a tree. There's a small tree house somewhere and a couple of, you know, there's a couple of a frames, which, you know, a frames are well built. A frames are, you know, relatively easy, easier than some of these structures. Mm -hmm. Um, So seeing that I knew that I had a way better chance to get this done working working this route and going forward i was once i started reaching out to the county i really just started the dialogue i was able to meet the county engine like i said there's only three or four people that work in this department the main person that does the 911 permits who i was she was really cool had a lot of really good ideas randomly for me and worked with me well uh when once you start a dialogue they kind of they she passed me on to the engineer uh, just to talk to him he he would he just wanted he was thought the dome was so cool and he thought this, the plans were so cool he just wanted to come out and see it when it was done. And I, I was telling mm-hmm. them the whole time, like, yep, I'm, I'm working on getting another site planned, all these things like that. They, they kind of just took it one step at a time. And then once I got to my, you know, the dome is, is all uh, commercially permitted, everything now, once I was going to the next one, the engineer introduced me to the county commissioner, which is kind of like the real sh- shot caller of kind of all of it, what, what we're doing mm-hmm. with the roads and things like that. Because now it's a full commercial thing. Um, you could pretty much reach out and a lot of these people, they'll help you. If you find it, you type in whatever County you're looking in and just simply reach out and ask them, like they don't have a ton of things going on, especially in this kind of market at the second, maybe last year when it was steaming hot for everything permits, no matter what was going Mm -hmm. on, but this market's a lot slower at the moment. So you're probably going to have a much pick up the phone, call them and just tell people what you're trying to do. And, and then talk to multiple counties and talk to multiple, multiple people in the area. And it will give you a lot of clarity on what county will be able to like let you bring this type of idea in. And the more that you can, you know, show them the benefits to them as well. You know, I have to pay, you know, uh, H, they call them HOT taxes, hotel occupancy taxes. Um, I'm, you know, I use VIP packages with local restaurants and things like that. All those things like that. You can tell the county about how you're going to help benefit in all the types of ways just to bring clarity to the situation of, you know, you're not just tr- trying to come in and give some big money grab and yeah. do all this, like show how you're trying to really benefit the County and bring, you know, value to them as well. Cause they'll, that that's what all they're trying to do. They're trying to bring value to the County. They want to show like, Hey, I did this during my, you know, cause these commissioners are elected at the same time in Texas. I don't, I honestly don't know if it works different in uh, different areas, but the commissioners over here are, are elected. And so, you know, they want to show like, hey, I'm bringing in revenue, all this, that, like, it's politics. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Cool. Yeah.